Welcome to Bureau 42's comic book podcast pilot season, episode 9. This is the second episode in the New Warriors read-along series, and this time we are looking at New Warriors Volume 1 from 1990, issue number 1. So even though this issue was published after the Thor issues, it was obviously written to have taken place before that. This is the team origin story. So it looks like Tom DeFalco and Ron Friends were testing the team out in Thor and then assigned a creative team to shepherd the group in later. And DeFalco and Friends get creator credit in the issue. The other members of the creative team were Fabian, and I hope I get this last name right, Nisiesa, according to comicbookdb.com, N-I-C-I-E-Z-A. This volume lasted 75 issues. He wrote the first 53 of those issues, as well as all four annuals. So if there's any one person who we can say wrote The New Warriors more than anyone else, it's him. The penciler on this issue was Mark Bagley, and he penciled issues 1 through 23 and 25, as well as at least part of the first annual. Al Williamson was the inker on the first two issues only. Mike Rockwitz was the colorist only on the first issue. Michael Hessler was the letterer on the first four issues. Denny Fingeroth is the editor on the first 28, as well as 32 to 34 in the first two annuals. And editor-in-chief Tom DeFalco also has editor credit on comicbookdb.com for issues 1, 8, 9, 32, 33, 34, 44, 47, and 51 through 56. So this does have a great opening panel. This starts off with Night Thrasher fully armored, holding Richard Ryder by the neck over the side of a building, demanding to know, are you Richard Ryder? Drops Richard Ryder off a building, and Richard's eyes start to glow red, and he gains his flight powers back. Now this is something that recurs throughout the issue. There's not a lot of time to get the team set up, so there's little to no time spent on establishing who these characters are, where they were last seen, and so forth. In fact, of the six leads and the villain, there's no background given to any of them. Now, the story is structured in a way that the background isn't essential. There's a little bit of exposition here when Richard starts flying again and says, hey, how'd you know that doing that would get my powers back? Night Thrasher says he's not sure they would have, which obviously angers Richard Ryder, who goes after Night Thrasher, but Night Thrasher quite easily grabs him and slams him onto the rooftop. So we know Thrasher is a good fighter. He's got a very clear take-no-prisoners attitude, and he's willing to go to great lengths for his mission against crime. For those who are curious, Richard Ryder had been Nova since the 70s. He gave up his powers in ROM issue 24, which will probably never be reprinted due to rights issues. Marvel has tried to get the rights to reprint the comics they produced in ROM, but the rights holders won't sell just the rights to reprint the comics, and instead are demanding a price that Marvel considers too high for the whole kit and caboodle. So that's the comics, the toys, TV rights, movie rights, lunchboxes, everything. They can't just reprint the comics. So it's unlikely that Marvel's going to invest in all of that, not unless somebody goes to Disney with a fantastic ROM pitch, in which case Disney might pick up the rights for all that merchandising and then just reprint the stories that Marvel printed through Marvel, now that they own Marvel, because that's an easy way to collect the money, because ROM does have his fans. For more information about Nova, tune in again on Friday for the comic character Compare and Contrast, when we compare Richard Ryder's Nova to Hal Jordan's Green Lantern. So the next up in the lineup is Marvel Boy, who's decided to join the Avengers. No invitation, he's just going to fly right up to the mansion, show what he can do, and declare himself a member. He doesn't stand a chance against the automated defenses that quickly tie him up and constrain him, and just leave him pinned there, do a full retinal scan, identify him as a friend. Captain America comes out and says, hey, yeah, the thing told us about you, but you're just too young. So when he's leaving in a halfway and he realizes how stupid and arrogant that was, Night Thrasher 
Thrasher and Nova greet him and invite him to join them. From there, they go to Night Thrasher's home. We get a little bit of his origin stories as he goes to recruit Firestar by threatening to expose her identity publicly. She is a student at the Massachusetts Academy at this point. So she shows up on his rooftop where he invited her ready for a fight and they invite her to join the team. She's not completely sure she wants to work with this guy, especially with these tactics, but they learn about a disturbance that the reader already knows about. Terax the Tamer has reformed in a school playground, which is being studied for radioactivity, and Genetech crews are on hand, headed by Walter Rosen, and Namorita Apprentice is on site. Now that Terax has reformed, after the experiences he went through in Fantastic Four number 260 as Tyros, Namorita is there, and she's fighting him solo, although she knows he's out of her league at this point, when Night Thrasher, Nova, Marvel Boy, and Firestar show up to help her out. Now, the reader also knows that Robbie Baldwin is in town with his mother to see an art gallery opening and to go TV shopping. He sees these guys on TV fighting Terax and transforms into Speedball and goes to help out. Once he's there, they do realize that you know he's got some potential there with his kinetic fields and the bubbles have substance. Ultimately, Walter Rosen of Genetech comes up with a plan to destroy Terax. Discusses the plan with Night Thrasher. We don't know in how much detail. Night Thrasher tells Nova and Namorita get him off the ground because he's drawing power from it. They get him in the sky and not only does he weaken, he crumbles into dust. And Namorita and Nova come back just furious that they were ordered to kill this guy. And they say, well, no, it wasn't really him. It was an echo. You can think of it as though he wasn't really alive. He was. Even though he was an echo of Terax, Terax will be a recurring villain in this series. They grudgingly agree to form a team. Night Thrasher's completely on board, although he was preferring four. He's just not going to turn Namorita and Speedball away after circumstances brought the six of them together. And now that they are all together, they're going to join up. Although some of them are not entirely convinced it's a good idea, but they're going to play along for now. So for those of you who are reading along at home and just doing these issues, here's a little bit about the origins of each character. So Night Thrasher, as mentioned last week, is very much a Batman kind of guy. His parents died when he was young, he is rich, and he has a couple of mentors that helped him focus on his war on crime. So very much like a Batman. Nova's origin we'll get into in a lot more detail on Friday, but there are reasons he's going to be compared to a Green Lantern. Nothing about Nova's origin or loss of powers is mentioned in this issue. Namorita has no lengthy origin, but they do mention that she is Namor's first cousin. And if you're a Marvel Comics reader, that's all you need to know. If this is your first Marvel comic, it's going to be packed with references that will make no sense. Marvel Boy doesn't have a specific origin. They don't even mention that he's a mutant, but they do reference the series that the thing was in, that he guest starred in. And it's also worth mentioning at this point, it's worth mentioning at this point, the original Guardians of the Galaxy series, which was headed by Vance Astro, who Vance Astro Vic will grow up to be, had a one-month head start in publication. So there had already been an issue or two of Marvel Boy in that, although he was no longer called Marvel Boy. Firestar gets no real background here. If you read the X-Books as well, then you'll no references to the Hellfire Club and the Massachusetts Academy will mean that she's a mutant, but that's the only origin they give. With Speedball, they don't even attempt to detail his origin. It was a scientific accident that he was exposed to when he had an after-school job as a high school student as a janitor in the lab. So that's what we have here. There's a little bit of world building in terms of introducing a recurring villain and putting the team together. We get very quick character introductions, as was common at the time with the crossovers. It was a specific style of writing you needed to do when the world had this many crossovers. But right now, the stage is set, and we can start really getting into the meat of these stories. And they do get very good. There's a lot of character work. 
in this series. That is quite nicely done. But that wraps up this particular podcast. So please join us again tomorrow for the second chapter of the comic book physics series. This time we're going to be looking at Spider-Man's webs. And then day 11 is Golden Age Greats with Silver Street Comics number 6, followed by Daredevil's Advocate when Anthony Stauffer argues on behalf of Iron Fist. On Friday, we get the character compare and contrast with Hal Jordan and Richard Ryder. And then on Saturday, we get day 14 of this comic book podcast pilot season with the second volume of Walt Simonson's Thor run. And we will open up the voting so that our listeners can decide which of these comic book podcasts is the one that moves forward. So please join us this week and remember to vote on Saturday. And in the meantime, thank you for listening.